Hello, I'm Elizabeth, an obsessive backyard gardener who might be able to offer you a couple of tips. And I'm Keith, a landscape consultant, and I'm also passionate about gardening. The one thing we both have in common is muddy boots. Hello, Keith. It's been at least a week since I saw you. How are you? I'm really well. Really, really good. Thank you. And you? I'm very well too, thank you. We both had very busy lives with uh, all sorts of gardening activities yes, that we're doing. Absolutely. Which we love. Um, but uh, I actually wanted to ask you how your girls are because I haven't you haven't spoken about them lately. And um, listeners, I'm referring to his bees. How are they? The bees, the girls are all fantastic, I believe. They're all busy doing the things that they're supposed to do. Working hard. Working hard for their little for the little return they get. Oh, poor the poor things. little things. That sounds very sad, actually. Now, you've got one or two hives in the garden. I've only got one. One's okay. enough. Yes. It's enough to look after because they've got to be open on a regular basis just to sort of check to make sure that everything is being, you know, performing well, that they're working properly. There's no no problems with it, you know. You would suit up for that, no doubt. You suit up and then I actually suit up and gaffer tape myself now. And the (laughs) reason well, the last time we we pulled the whole lot to bits to get to put a new bottom board on the brood box down the very, very bottom. We upset a lot of bees and uh, they you found do that little, every time. Yeah, but they found little, little ways to crawl in where the zips do up. <laughs> so, and I had them coming, trying to come into where my face was. So I had to seal that off with my hands. So I couldn't do much. Oh, no. So we learned a lesson. So now I gaffer tape all that up so that there is absolutely no way that those little sweethearts can <laughs> possibly get in to protect their. Precious. So honey. they weren't happy with you and they wanted to get, they weren't really wanted to let you know that they weren't happy. They wanted to let me know big time. And did they? They didn't because I didn't oh, let them. Because <laughs> I think you have been bitten before. Yeah. And, and it's a bit of a worry because I'm starting to build up a, a little bit of a, a reaction to them. The last time I got bitten was bitten just under the nose and that blew my whole <gasps> face up. So that was a trip to the <gasps> hospital to oh. get some adrenaline and all. So, oh, Keith. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm really mindful now about how much respect I give those uh, those girls. Can you actually get someone to come in and do the work for you? I mean, you probably can, I suppose. You probably can, but I'm, I'm still reluctant to do that at this stage. But, yeah. you know, okay. maybe that's a, another. Something to consider. Yeah, absolutely. If you're going to keep those hives. Yeah. On that conversation, let's go right back to the beginning and talk about bees and why we need bees. What is their role? What do they do? Well, they produce between 70 and 90% of the world's Food, massive, incredible, and if you take you took seventy nine seventy say seven say let's call it eighty percent away. Yeah, we haven't got much left. We haven't got much left. Wow, we need we those bees. They are no wonder we need to save the bees. They're constantly reading about the bees and how they're threatened and what we need to do to save them. And I completely understand why we need to do something. Exactly. Okay, so how? What's the? Let's go to the process of pollination mm-hmm. and, what, and what they actually do to those yep. plants. Well, most plants needs a visit from a bee to transfer the pollen from one plant to the pollen of another. Um, and without getting into too much sex in the garden about the, the yes. full process of how it works, yeah, yeah. that is basically, you know, what they've got to do. They've got to go from one flower to another flower to carry the pollen to then start that reproductive cycle of flowers. Okay, and they're picking up nectar for them and for their for their. That's their, their return, yeah. Yes, yes. But they also use the pollen to make 
little pollen cakes, which is what they actually have in the hive, and they actually eat the eat oh, the pollen, pollen cakes, which is pollen mixed with nectar and honey and all oh, sorts of things. Oh, that sounds quite sweet and yeah. lovely. There are, we have our European honeybees, yes. obviously, and they're the ones who, that you have, and they're the ones that are doing the, the big job. But we also obviously have na- Australian native bees, and I know there are over seventeen hundred, around seventeen hundred different species. Of mm-hmm. native bee, what role do they have? Are they pollinating the plants as well? They are, but they're they're doing more pollination on native plants to get a return on bees for honey. Native bees for honey, it's a very very small return because they don't have the same capacity to to produce really really huge hives like like we do down here in Victoria. So anything north of the Great Divide, there are bees that form colonies to create small amounts of honey, which you can harvest. And they are native bees. And they're native bees. they're north of the divide because of the warmer weather. Why? Is that right? Yeah, the northern aspects give them conditions that they can have good colonies that will support what they need. Okay. Whereas south of the Great Divide, down here in Victoria in particular, the bees are mainly singular. And to give you an example of that, in England and and lots lots of Europe, you've seen the big bumblebee that yes, you see? Yes, the bumblebee. The great big bumblebee. Well, he's, he or she is actually a solitary bee. Yes. So it, it doesn't have you know, a, a, a reaction with a, with a hive. Okay. And bumblebees we don't have in Australia, but no, we, we do don't. have. They are in Tasmania, aren't yeah, they? There are, yeah, there are some down here. <laughs> yeah. But we, one of the most beautiful bees, single, singular bees that we have in Victoria is, is actually the blue bottom bee, which is just absolutely stunning blue looking. Blue bottom? Is that blue banded? Blue, yeah, I was going to say, blue, is that blue, blue banded? Bands yes, on it? yes. And I think I've seen some of those in the garden. Yeah. I know you see them occasionally. They're not, obviously, they're not, they're not as easy around. to see. No. But, but yeah, I, I have seen them. Yeah. So they're all singular. So they, they have the, a totally different life cycle to our Italian bees, basically, because they're Ligurian bees that we have in mainly here in, here in uh, in our hives. Ligurian bees. Yeah. There are Ligurian olives, I think, aren't there too? There, there are Ligurian olives, but that, and, and nothing, no, no likeness <laughs> whatsoever. Oh, interesting. Okay, all right. So the pollination process, I think we've discussed. Let's yep. talk about in brief, obviously. What let's talk about what sort of plants and what sort of crops are pollinated. I mean, I, you know, I suppose there is a massive amount. Yes. So we every single fruit that you think of has to be pollinated by uh, by something, and generally it's bees. Mm. Unless you were in in say Japan, where they have a decline in bees over there, so they actually have huge areas where their food is all grown in long, long rows and so forth. And they have people that go around with a stick, and on the end of the stick is a feather. And they go around and dust dust the pollen from oh, one and, and do it all. So gosh. just imagine how time-consuming mm. that would be for mm. them. And is that decline related to disease? the varroa mite? Is Could the varroa be the varroa mite. mite. There's lots and lots of, of things that actually cause collapses of, of bee cereal. colonies. I know, because the Northern um, Hemisphere Neonicotoids, has... which is another one, which is a, a nicotoid is a little bit like nicotine. Yeah. So that's a poison. Yeah. And they actually use lots of poisons for various other, other oh, insects. So that actually affect uh, the, the bees. bees, yeah. With going back to the flowers of the plants now, how do the bees, how can they see, I mean, how do they fit their little bodies into these plants? I mean, the various plants have different shapes. There are different shapes that, the, that they've almost adapted themselves yeah. to over time for the bees to fit into, is yes. that correct? Yes, and one of the greatest ones to actually watch a bee pollinate is actually the flowers of a salvia. Oh, which have got which long love. flowers yes. and you can see them land on the lip of the salvia flower and then crawl all the way up 
deep inside yep. and they're being they, they're capturing the pollen as they're going all the way in. They get their nectar and then they've got to back themselves all the way out. Back up, reverse. Yeah, <laughs> reverse out with a little beep, beep, beep. <laughs> and a then beep, take beep, off. beep, very good. A beep, 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 yep. And then they take off and go on and, and on uh, do one. that pollination to another flower. Oh, Same process. they are amazingly clever, aren't they? Yeah, so and lots of flowers present different Attractions. problems. Yeah, oh, some problems. of the problems. Um if you could imagine there's a plant called verbascum, which is a singular stem that has got millions of flowers on it, millions of mm, flowers on mm. it, tiny little flowers. And some of those flowers have already been visited by the bees. So a bee's not going to waste time going to a, to a flower that's already been visited by one of his mates. Mm. People did research, mainly in Russia, trying mm. to find out how that whole system works. Yes, how they know, how, how the, they the next know. person knows, the next person, I should yeah. say, the next bee knows not to go to that flower. Exactly. And it's it's basically all about electrical charges. So a plant is anchored to the earth, yes. so therefore it carries a negative charge. Charge, yes. And a bee has a beehive and naturally he is, is also a negatively charged bee when he's in the hive. But when he leaves the hive, through the air that we can't see are millions of little tiny particles that are all positively charged mm. and they hit the bee and they, cha- they change the bee's polarity negative. from negative to positive. positive. Yep. So when he comes to a flower, he can when he lands on that flower, he can sense straight away whether that flower is a positive charge or a negative oh, charge wow. just by emitting this, these little millivolts that they yep. produce. So he will leave that flower if it's already been recently visited and go to another one. But the plants are so smart they, that they sometimes need more than one visit of a bee to actually pollinate that, that flower yeah. that they can change the polarity from positive back to negative and reproduce some more pollen and more nectar within two minutes. Wow. So it's absolutely <laughs> incredible. I cannot believe that. Nature, how does nature it's, do that? That is, is just incredible. Very, very impressive. I'm just so impressed. Flowers and bees. Mm. Now we need more of them in our gardens. We do. We do because they are threatened. They are sadly threatened by, yeah, well, there are many things, urbanisation is one of them. Yep. The fact that people just don't have Gardens. Flowers, gardens to start with. Yep. Their houses are taking up the whole block, which yep. is sad. They don't have the gardens. They don't have the flowers. Or if they have the gardens, they often don't have the flowers in the gardens. They'll yep. have their clipped hedges, which is yes. all very fine, but they don't have the flowers. So the bees don't have anywhere to go. So there's that problem. There is the overuse of pesticides, which hopefully, hopefully people are learning to use mm. less because that's, you know, we're all aware of the fact that that's been a problem for some time. So we need individually, with us gardeners, need to do what we can to help save the bees, don't we? Exactly. And what do we need to do? Well, we need to be plant putting flowers. Yeah, plants that have flowers mm. that will attract the bees into the garden. You know, there's, if there's more food for them, then their colonies will get bigger. Those colonies, if they're not maintained in a certain manner, they will split. So they'll have swarms that will go off and, and recolonize somewhere else. Mm. Um, so there's always that. So it's always. The best thing you can do for, for bees and for the environment is to plant shrubs and, and even annuals that are mm. going to have lots and lots of beautiful flowers exactly. that will attract them. And plant, grow our own food. Exactly, yeah. Veggies, we need veggie veggies. Gardens. A lot of, the, a lot of the, um, the veggies that we have require pollination, such as peas and beans. There's yep. two, of the, two of the big ones. But the likes of broccoli. Mm-hmm. No, you don't need any pollination for that okay. until the flower has opened up and by that stage it's, not, it's gone past the edible 
Yeah, right, right. You know, so it's it's not not worth having. So that's allowing our, our veggies and our herbs to bolt. Exactly. Yes, herbs yes. especially. I have a bee garden, mm-hmm. a herb bee garden, spe- spe- specifically I should say, so that the, we can grow the flowers and yeah. get the, so the bees can come. To attract them. And yeah. look, if you had a real good look at the bees that were coming, you'd probably find most of those my girls anyway visiting oh, your they've, garden. they've come up the hill. Oh, they certainly have. They <laughs> oh, can good. fly up hills. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad I'm making them happy, so that's good. But, yes, that's obviously very important. Obviously not use any pesticides, no. obviously. What about bee houses, bee hotels? They're for solitary bees, so they're for the native the bees natives. more than anything else. And we do want to look after the and native we do, bees as absolutely. well. Of course. We need to do a combination, I think, yes. of, the, of those things. Yep. So they're great. And that can be just like getting a log, an old log, and, and drilling some holes into a log yep. or putting some bricks together and putting some bamboo in with those bricks and it's quite a simple and process. That's a nice, that's a great little environment for the, you know, for the native bees to have. And a bit of fun for our kids too, something they for our love kids to do. That sort of stuff. Our grandchildren or whatever. Um, and we need to obviously provide water for those bees. They we do. And here's a very interesting fact about a beehive. The bees will maintain the hive. 35 degrees Celsius, whether it's the middle of winter or the middle of summer. So in the middle of winter, they're all in there together and they're all keeping themselves warm so that the honey will remain in a liquid form. But in the middle of summer, when it might be 40, 42 degrees outside, the, the hives heat up so the bees will go to a source of water. They will gather that water, they'll take it back to the hive and then they'll spray it and fan it with their, with their wings like a, uh, you know, the, the old evaporative coolers that you used to have in the homes. Oh. It works on exactly the same process as that. So it's by spraying the water in the air and then flapping around with their <laughs> wings that they, they create that cooling effect to keep that hive at 35 degrees. These so it's bees just are more intelligent than us humans, aren't they? Well, they know what they want. I, you should, listeners, I'm sorry, you should see my face. I cannot believe the things that Keith is telling us here. It's just incredible. Wow. Okay, so please remember all these things. I hope you're writing it down. So sources of water, another yes. important thing with those sources of water is that bees – can drown if they don't have something to sit on in those exactly. sources of water. So some pebbles or some marbles or something pebbles like that. Pebbles are very fantastic important. because they they can just walk on that. But if you've got a, a deep bowl and, and you want a depth of water that's going to remain at a certain temperature, a cooler temperature rather than a hotter temperature, then just some corks, you know, the old corks that are now vanished from the bottles that we yeah. used to have, yeah, so, yeah. just corks are fabulous or little bits of wood that floating in there yeah. is also a great source. Something for them to, for them to sit, to sit on, you know, on. You know, if they fall in the water, it's something to climb on and get out. This is amazing. I'm loving talking about these bees. Now, if I wanted to have a hive, yes. how easy is it to set up and maintain a hive? It doesn't actually sound very easy. <laughs> it, look, it, it, it isn't. but And that's why if you're going to be committed to the bees, then you really need to be committed to a club. Yes, so right. I'm a member of the the Southeastern Bees Club, and uh, we have regular meetings uh, where we're taught lots and lots of things by people who have been doing this for years and years and years. And you're always learning. You know, mm. every time you go to the club, someone has got something new yeah. that they will share with you that just blows you away. There was one meeting that that my jaw dropped on the ground where this guy had this rather scientific equipment in there and these slides and so forth and he was just showing us about the types of honey and what some scrupulous bee people were doing with honey. And that was if you've got a jar of honey in the middle of winter in your cupboard and you go to it and you take the lid off and that is a liquid still, then that has got 
in it what is called C4. And C4 is a style of or a type of, of sugar yeah. that does not come from flowers. Mm. It comes from sugar cane right. or sugar beet, those sorts of things, that bees don't have anything to do, do with. with yeah. But they put that into, the, into a, the, the natural honey and that becomes a flowing agent. Yeah. So that's called C4. Okay. So that honey is no longer pure honey. Oh, dear. It's been adulterated for profit. Okay. So we need to make sure that we're buying, when we go to the supermarket, we're buying pure honey. And that means. The whole thing is if, if you go to a supermarket and the honey has gone hard, buy it in the middle of winter because that's natural yeah, honey. You do buy it. Yeah, of course. Got you. Okay. Well, I think that's fantastic. I think we've had a good conversation. We can't talk forever, but we would if we – there was so much more to talk There's about. There's a lot to talk but about. But basically I think we've learned that if we – you know, we can, any of us can create a haven for bees in our backyards with little effort. So your garden, the planet and the bees will thank you for it. And thank you, Keith. That it's was fabulous. It's an absolute pleasure. Okay. Thank you for listening to Muddy Boots. For more information on today's podcast, please go to muddyboots.net.au and happy gardening.